welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Well, we are in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We're still in Anchored. Um, y'all still trekking with me through this, huh? Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Has it helped you in any way? Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 26. 19 through 26. Amen. Amen. Um, 1 to 25. Y'all got it right. Thank you, media team. 1, 2, 3, read. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, So today, I want to talk about anchored in a solid connection to the saints. Anchored in a solid... You know what I like about going verse by verse? Is, you know, the Holy Spirit will just providentially and sovereignly land on something we need to hear. And I believe today is a word you and I both need to hear. Lord, well, isn't it wonderful to know you? And um, let us know all the things that we're called to. Help us not to have an a la carte faith. Help us not to have a faith that can go into system preferences and think we can change the faith into what we prefer. But God, I pray that we would let our souls and our life be on factory settings. So, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. may be seated. Anchored in a solid connection to the saints. Post-pandemic and... You know, the impact of communal connection on us has been interesting. Um, So so much has changed since the pandemic. Um, Most churches have had to um, get their media game up, even if they're just on Facebook Live with a phone in the middle of the sanctuary. Um, But but, but there's there's been this sense of um, um, their needing to be, of course, an online presence, which I'm down with because I do believe in supplements. And I do believe that certain things can be a season, but I don't necessarily think those things can be a permanent solution. Um, And so five things that have really, really changed 
um, during the pandemic. Uh, um, uh, um, several of them. One, one of them is expectations, outreach, discipleship, unity, and attendance. I, I want to drill down on church attendance. And when I say church attendance, what I mean is <clears throat> everything that goes into mutual cooperation between God's people on Sunday and in other ways, right? So it's not just us, it's, it's, it's us attending Sunday morning worship, any type of output of Bible study, service giving, you have it. <clears throat> That's changed. And so now the average person, I may see, if I'm shaking hands at the door, I may see the average person once a month. Um, nowadays, you commit it if you come twice a month. You know, uh, uh, um, if you come every week, you, you super save nowadays, right? <laughs> um, but I do think that we need to have I can't, can't, y'all can, y'all gonna bear with me today, right? You know, we're gonna, we gonna just talk through the text a little bit. I, it's not gonna be too preachy, so don't fall asleep on me. I'm not gonna, I may yell a few times. You'll, that'll wake you up. But, but, I, but, I, but, I, but I really want you to hear me from a pastoral perspective. I, I want the church to develop a spirit of sacrifice versus a spirit of convenience. Um, um, because I tend to look at scripture and see more sacrifice than I do convenience. And we live in a convenient society. I mean, listen, we live in a super convenient society. I mean, I can schedule an Uber or a Lyft for the end of the service to wait outside for me. I can tell it where to stop on the way home. I can get home. I can use Grubhub, Caveat. I mean, uh, uh, YouTube. Uh, what is it? No, no, I'm telling you YouTube. Uh, 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 Uber Eats. I got so many. Th convenience is at my fingertips. Malls are shutting down because I don't have to go to the mall anymore and try stuff on. I can go to a website, look at the clothing, and go in there because it'll say, this model, don't think you're going to look like this. This model is 6'2", and they're wearing a medium. You ever read that? And um, because you're like, oh, that's gonna look like that on me. No, it's not. They're trying to help you. <laughs> and and um, and then and then and then you 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 order, you look at the size guide and you do your best. And if you can't, you can send it back and get a. I mean, we live in a society. So, but but so we translate that God owes us convenience. And 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 as we think about the fact that we think. God owes me convenience. There is nothing about being a believer that lends itself to us making convenience a core value. Now, God, God does make getting saved convenient because he came and died for us, not us for him. But the inconvenience ends because he died for us. Therefore, we should live a lifestyle of dying for him. And, 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 so, and so as I think about this and I ponder that we are going to need discipleship on what it means to be the church. We really do. And it's fine. So I don't want us to feel beat up today. I don't want to beat people up that have had church hurt and that have had trauma uh, perceived or real. And you haven't been to church because you said, I'm going to stay at home for this season. Um, but but I, I know that for me, raising my kids, watching church 
I don't know what kind of culture the verdict will still be out on if I watch church forever. Somebody asked, will Epiphany do online membership? And pe- I mean, it's people here in Philly that's members of churches in Florida and Oklahoma and other places, right? Now, I, I, and I, I got a lot to say about that, okay? And, um... I just don't know how that works. So, in this, it's interesting that what I find in the Bible, interestingly enough, people of God, is that how many of y'all heard of spiritual disciplines? Hold your hand up. If you don't know what a spiritual discipline is, spiritual disciplines are the spiritual levers that God utilizes in your life to ignite your growth. Okay? So, some of those is prayer. Fasting, Bible reading and study, service, evangelism, suffering, Mm. simplicity, meaning making your life less complex so you're user-friendly in the hands of God. Mm, That's a whole sermon. Um, Meditation, thinking about the word, chewing on it. But guess what the last one is? Community. Did you know being around the church is a spiritual discipline? So let me, let me say this. I should, this is bad for preaching. Usually you save this for later. But I'm going to give you something free up front. When God saved you, he didn't just save you to be with him. He saved you to him as king. He saved you to his cause. And he saved you to his community. Now, all three of those is what he saved you to. He saved you from sin, death, Satan, hell, and the lake of fire. But he saved you to himself, his mission, and his people. If you remove one of those three... You, uh, help me today. I didn't even say this in the first of I'm going to say that for later. But if you remove one of these, you, you, you're in trouble. And, and we're going to explain this in a second. You can't be a Christian and say that God didn't save you to himself. You can't be a Christian and saying God didn't save you to his cause. And you can't be a Christian and say you hate the church. So I got one point and one point only, and we're going to work our way through this text. One point. We must take advantage of our access to God and one another. We have to take advantage of our access to God and one another. Y'all know I like y'all to understand how scriptures are structured. Many times in epistles... It goes orthodoxy, then orthopraxy. Doctrine, duty. What I should know, what I should do. We're, le- we're, we're, we're going into the practical section of Hebrews, right? And, and, and I find it odd that the first group of applications 
that he gives in, what's the book about? There it is. Jesus is better. Don't give up. So the whole book, he's trying to tell you that Jesus is better and don't give up. And so what he spent the first part of the book doing is telling you Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than demons. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Aaron. Jesus is better than Levitical priests. Jesus is better. That's what he's trying to tell you. So he's doing that because a, a group of believers are wanting, or people who are calling themselves Christians are committing apostasy because of a persecution and discrimination that's happening to Christians, and so they're committing apostasy, right? So, but, but what's interesting is one of the first applications that he fully gives for you being anchored is in being around other believers. It's interesting. I find that interesting. So listen to the text. He's going to build an access grid, and then he's going to help us applicationally. Are y'all still tracking with me? So he says in verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. This is dope. So we have access. So he's talking about the access that we have and the fact that access has been granted. He's been talking about that for the last two chapters, right? But he said, we have the ability to enter with boldness. The idea of boldness is just simply just means confidence and openness of conduct on something. Uh, one writer says, this confidence is here especially related to an approach to God to entry into the sanctuary or holy place understood symbolically as the presence of God. So, so, so why is this? this would, now, for you and I who didn't grow up as Hebrews or a part of Israel, wouldn't have really seen this as much of a thing. But in their day, they were used to God, you know, talking on the mountain. And they said, Moses, can you tell him not to do that? They said, you let him talk to you. All that thunder and lightning and smoke and Shekinah, you know, and somebody touched the bottom of the mountain and they die. You know, listen, you go up there since he seems to like you a lot better than us. You put that thing on your face when you come back down. You tell us what he said, and we'll do it. But tell him, please, never, ever talk directly to us again. Right? So, 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 I mean, so, so, I mean, us will touch the thing. He died. You know, uh, if you don't do the fire right, you, you die. So they like, listen, we're going to tie a rope around the high priest's ankle. Let him go in. If he die, are you going to get him? No. You going to get him? No. We just drag him out. He just drag out like that. So, 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 but now... He's saying something that would have been mind-blowing to the people of God. He said, enter with boldness. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Let me see if I can make it plain. If somebody come to your house and you say, make yourself at home. If if, If anybody has social awareness, they know that there are limitations to that. You know. There's some unwritten rules that's kind of written. Don't just go in my fridge. Um, if you blow it up, take care of it. And y'all know I'm telling the truth. Um, don't go, just go lay in my bed. Don't, put, don't take your socks and shoes off. Put your feet on the thing and pick your coins. Don't do that. 
In other words, we say make yourself at home, but really we have, we have delimitations, if you will. But God doesn't, when he says make yourself at home, he means exactly what he says. He wants you to have absolutely no fear in his presence and actually no fear of unveiling your mess. He's, in your sin, he wants you to come boldly. Why does this, remember what the verse says, it says, go before the throne of grace to find mercy when? In the time of need. So even when you sinned, if you're fearing, that's not God bidding you to come. God opens his arms to you. Oh, you ain't hearing me. He opens his arms to you because he wants you to have a free, listen, you have a free backstage pass. To his presence. Any, any, any time. You have an all, Christ's blood. He says, we enter by the blood of Jesus. We have an all access pass. And listen, I, I like the way it says, I like the way it says, we enter by the blood of Jesus. In other words, the blood of Jesus is the red carpet into God's presence. And so the, that, that's the beauty. But, but, but what gives us boldness? Please let me build a foundation. Y'all still tracking with me? So, 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 uh, 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 what give, what, what like give, why, why, how are we able to be bold, right? So, this, this, so, so number one, you're bold because, listen, the surety of Jesus' sacrifice being accepted by God. How do we know it's accepted? Because it says in verse 12 that he offered sins once for all and sat at the right hand. Now, the fact that he's permanently in the holies of holies lets you know that he's supposed to be there and that his sacrifice was accepted. Number two, the fact that Jesus is high priest over the household. So not only was he, not only was he the sacrifice, he's the high priest that runs the whole ship. It's crazy. It's kind of like it's, it's, it's it, it, I mean, he just runs the whole thing. Uh, next is the clarity on what God wants for us. What does he want from us? The verses before that says, I will put my laws in your heart and write them on your minds. In other words... Truth will take root and <clears throat> be deeply intertwined in our inward parts, in our deepest parts. But this is the one I love the most that lets us know we can enter with boldness. We have assurance of forgiveness. Oh, man. It says, now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering of sin. So we are no more welcomed uh, anywhere in the world than we are in the presence of God. Oh, you should have shouted on that part. It's such good news. No restrictions for you. So we enter by the blood of Jesus. Stay with me. Then he says, he inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is his flesh. So his flesh was like the curtain that, 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 that separated the inner court from the holiest of holies. So remember when Jesus died, it was torn from top to bottom because his skin was torn out, his bones being broken. That's, you know. And so, um, and so interestingly enough, he made a new and living way, and he's playing on words here. He's, he, like he's being an MC right now. It's kind of double entendre. So, so he said a new and living way. The word here, even in the, Hebrew, uh, the, the Greek, is a play on words. It's in one hand, by identity, they used to call us the way. Not a way, the way. 
That, 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 we weren't called Christians. We were called a lifestyle. They looked at us and called us a lifestyle. Oh, my God. I, I wish to bring and resurrect the way in our day and age where we're not a byword in memes, but we're known as a lifestyle worthy of mimicking. But then, of course, Jesus is the way. So, so this idea of the way means, it, it, it can be translated here, freshly slain. <laughs> oh, God. Fresh, fresh way, right? Fresh way. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. See, see for us to really understand this term, we have to understand that this, this communicates innovation. Okay? Now, what do I mean by innovation? Um, I, I, I know I can make it plain. So, back in the day, there used to be something called payphones. Any, anybody heard of that? Payphones. Used to be those. I remember when they were 10 cent, a nickel and 10 cent. And you carry, you know, you, you get, you get, you, you, you made sure when you left home you had dimes or nickels. Right? And then when you pick it up, just in case somebody messed up and made me some quarters, you push a little. Never mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. But then we'd have never thought, then we didn't listen, the phones used to have, I don't know if you know this generation, but it used to have cord connected to it. <laughs> then it went from that to two-way calling. Wow. So you can you can somebody the line wouldn't be busy because you would have to hang up the phone. Don't you get on that phone? I'm expecting a call from the job. Then it went to two-way calling. Then it went to party line. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was the first chat room. Then, oh my God, then we had a, uh, a, 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 a service where you can get your messages. And then you can actually call home and check your messages and delete them remotely. But God forbid, then, 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 of course, they had the New Jack City phone. Nobody could afford that because it was $10 a minute. So you was like, nah. Then we got beepers. Two-way pages. Then you can say, you can, if you text right, you can say, I love you. You remember that? Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. I miss you. All that. Then it went to phones. But let me explain something to you. Never in a thousand years... Did I ever think that we'd have Star Trek? It, you, it, if you would have told me in 86, I will pick up something in my hand called a phone and press something called FaceTime, and I can see a person's face clearly, you would have never told me that. But the innovation of this gave us the ability that takes us from payphones to something so innovative where we can face-to-face -face each other. Your relationship with God is so innovative that you can see him now and walk with him face-to-face. Face. You got to face. Moses ain't the only one going on the mountain no more. God doesn't tell you to go on the mountain. He brings the mountain to you. You can be in your car and the mountain can come to you. You can be in the shower and the mountain can come to you. 
You can be on the sub and the mountain can come to you. You can be at the corner store and the... Matter of fact, right now, if you give them the fruit of your lips, the mountain... Listen, you're going to grow and learn how to shift the atmosphere in your life when the spirit of heaviness comes on you. You're going to say, where my jacket at? Let me put on the garment of praise and lift him up. Atmosphere shifting power. The writer says in verse 21, he says, and since we have a great high priest, listen, over the house of God. Now, these statements are interesting because these statements that they're about to make, these idioms, if you will, um, they're said probably, let me see how many times, it's been said 12 times in this format. But here, he says, let us draw near with a true heart. He says, let us Hold on to our confession. Then he says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good deeds, right? So those are three key things. I, I want you if, if you, if you have a highlighter, yeah, you, you're, on, you're on your phone, I want you to highlight those verses. I want you to highlight these because this is a beautiful triad of faith. So first, he's saying, let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast to truth. And then, hold and then let us consider one another in order to provoke one another to deeds. In other words, relationships to God, to truth, to relationships. God has redeemed you to himself, to truth, and relationships. Now... He says here, and this is interesting, he says, with a true heart and full assurance, we've had it sprinkled with blood, let us hold to our confession. Those are the truths that you learned. That's why at baptism, when Pastor Guest gets up, he asks you those questions because that's, that, that's, a, that, that's to your confession of your faith. In other words, you, you conf that's why the Bible says if you confess with your mouth. And believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's a confession of your faith. That, that means you're holding to your confession. Now, all three of these must coexist in the church for you to be believed to be a believer. Because most of us think of our Christian faith as being saved to be in a relationship to God. But we were saved not only to be in a relationship with God... We were saved to be in a relationship with his truth and with his people. So that means you can't call yourself a Christian and hate God's people. I wish you would say you want a relationship with me and you hate my wife. That's not going to work. That's, that's not, that's not going to work. And so you're not going to expect me to split my affections between you and my wife. If you get me. You get my wife. No wife, no me. That, that's, 
God is the same way. So, so, so I know we're in the popular season of church trauma, and I know people have gone through stuff. But now I, I want you to heal because God hasn't called you to be in a perpetual dysfunctional relationship with the church. Oh, it's quiet right there. He said, this is what he says. He says, and let us consider us as a community, one another, that means church is not for what you can get only. It means you shouldn't be considering, do they have children's ministry? Do they have youth ministry? Do I get a word? Do I get worship? Do I get fed? That's all we think about. We never say, man, I want to find out what my gifts are because I, I, I'm compelled to help somebody else. It's interesting. The text says, in order, what are you considering? <coughs> to, pro to provoke love and good works. The word provoke is a good word. It's an interesting word because the word means literally, interestingly enough, is to, is to, is to irritate. It means to have a sharp disagreement. That's in a negative sense. That word was used when Paul and Barnabas had a sharp argument. In Acts 15, and they dipped on each other, right? Here is used in a positive sense. It means, it means to, to light a flame and help it and give it oxygen so more flame can come to it. That means when believers get together, there should be an oxidized atmosphere by which we invest in one another. Listen, none, all of us, all of us, listen, I can't tell you what my Christian life will be like without people who provoked me to love and good deeds. Put the pictures up. Put the pictures up. And, and, and me being provoked to love and good deeds, this has been something in my life that if you want to be a full-bodied, healthy believer, that we have to have people around us that flame that, but you can't get that at home. I'm not against online ministry. I'm not against it. But this this way I was raised spiritually. This is my community. So this is me and my wife. We smile, and that's my father in the ministry. Um, over here, when I got we got to Dallas, this guy named Wayne Mitchell, he brought us into his home, him and his wife, him and Mama Joe, and she took us in for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. Disciples. That's why I started doing youth ministry. Second place, I started doing youth ministry, and I started volunteering. I succeeded him as the youth pastor at this church. But, 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 but in this community, I, I also had some of my other OGs, and this right here was one of my best dudes. He's, his name is Icky. He's Japanese, right? I never thought I'd have a Japanese buddy, but that's what the gospel does, right? And, and, and so that, that's, that's my guy to this day. This is my spiritual formation group leader. This is the assistant pastor at the church. I worked for him when I worked with Bloods and Crips in East Dallas Locos in the inner city. That was my mentor there. This, this was, now, this is Dr. Anabuchi Acho. Um, and uh, he, he is one of the, 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 the most wicked psychotherapists in the country. And he did, our, he did our premarital. It was six months. See, this is how you know you're getting help. We broke up and got back together, and he did our premarital again. Learn. <laughs> now, listen. 
Me and my wife was beefing before marriage. This guy and his wife brought us to their house, sat us down, and told us off. <laughs> and said, y'all know the Lord wants y'all to be together. I don't know why you're acting like this. You need to forgive her for, because this is what happened. <laughs> so, I got the mic. I got the mic. <laughs> so, this is what happened. So, there's this place called Reunion Arena in Dallas. It's on the top. It's like the needle. It's up. It's a thin thing, the needle. Nice restaurant. So, we're together now. You ain't got to worry about it now, baby. <laughs> so, I get on one knee. The whole place stopped. Clink, 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 clink. Everybody put that stuff down. Will you marry me? I'm not ready. I said, if you don't take this ring, <laughs> and you can get back out the way, but everybody looking at it. <laughs> so I got up and went to the bathroom and stood in the mirror. And this guy came up to me. Stand up, Pastor Mark. Come here, Pastor Mark. He came up beside me. And you know, dudes don't touch in the bathroom. You don't touch. That's men rules. You don't look to the left or to the right, and you don't touch. Those are rules. This guy said, you all right, man. He didn't even know me. So, so after that, so after that, I was mad. I said, I'm a hot commodity. I still have my six-pack back there. I said, I'm fine. I'm got it. I'm going to give me somebody. And she was like, and the Lord was like, no, nah, that's your wife. You know, I was, you know, I had, you know. And um, they brought us over, jammed us up, and rebuked me for my unforgiveness. I mean, you're talking about digging up in me. So I learned Christian education from him. I learned outreach and evangelism from him. I learned fellowship from him. I learned pastoring and fathering from him. All of these people, this, we led thousands of people, this group right here, to Jesus Christ, probably 10,000 people during that time to Jesus Christ. Why am I saying that? Because I'm the product of submitting myself to God's means of growing me. To this day, oh, hold on, to this day, Brown Bomber style, you know what I'm talking about. If I lose my mind, listen, he getting on the plane, he getting on the plane, he getting on the plane, he gonna jam me up. And then it's others, Blake Wilson, he gonna get on the plane. Everybody, because I, listen, I put myself in a position because I believe that I'm not good enough to do the Christian life on my own and that I need people in my life who have spiritual authority to call my coats and to pull my coats and to challenge me and to jam me up. You're never too good to get challenged. Listen, let me just tell you something. That's why the verse says this. It says, do not forsake. Do not forsake. It's an interesting word. The gathering of yourselves together as some have made it a habit. Now, the early church, this is interesting. When you stopped going to a local community, you were considered an apostate. In their mind, if you perpetually didn't go to church, you were no longer a Christian. 
Because in their mind, if you left church, you left Jesus. You cannot say biblically that I, I, listen, I left the church, but I didn't leave Jesus. Jesus is like, hold on, body of Christ, royal priesthood, God's vineyard. He said, I am the door to the sheepfold, not to an individual. The sheepfold is the community of the faith. When you get baptized, you're not baptized into a relationship with God. You're baptized into the body of Christ. Somebody said, well, there's no such thing. I just believe in the universal church. There's no such thing as a local church. So why was there called a church at Jerusalem, the church of God at Corinth? Why did he say, I left you in Crete to to, to go among the churches in Titus 1.5 to set in order what remains? I don't believe in organized religion, but he says order. If there's no such thing as order, then why did he set up a temple? If there's no such thing as order, when the first temple happened in Eden, why in the world did God in his uh, essence get order and have uh, a tree of good knowledge of good and evil? He gave him a job before he gave him a wife. That's order. Organized religion. You say, I don't believe in organized. Listen, everything about us. Listen, what makes a church a church? What makes a church a church? Not you by yourself. You're not the church. What makes a church a church is preaching, teaching, leadership, worship, discipleship, evangelism, love, stewardship, spiritual, uh, 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 church discipline, mm. um, fellowship, standards, family, and men and women functioning in their proper roles. That's what makes a church a church. Just because you think you're spiritual and you're better than everybody and that you can understand the Bible on your own is not a Christian life. You have to be around Christians to have a Christian life. (laughs) If there's no such thing as local churches, then why does it say in Revelation 7 that Jesus walks among the seven lampstands? Why? Because whenever a church is planted, a candle appears in heaven as a spiritual representation in the presence of Jesus Christ of that church in the earth. How do you know that? Because if the church doesn't keep Jesus their first love, he blows out your candle. That's local churches. And so am I against online? I'm not against online. Yes, you can heal for a time. Yes, if you're sick and shut in. We know you can't come. That's different. But stop using outliers to make them a norm. Listen, I said this before. I need somebody to look in my eyes, Pastor Matt. How you doing? Don't nobody know how you doing typing? You send an emoji. A meme. We don't know how you doing. I need to see some skin, some hair, and some clothing. And I need you, I need to know your breath. I want to hold your hand to know how you're doing. I want to be able to invest in you. I want to be able to pour into you. I want to be able to lock arms with you. I want us to be able to be on mission together. I want us to be, if you're in need, I want to be able to help you. If I'm in need, I want you to be able to help me. But I can't know that through a screen. Don't forsake. Don't forsake. I'm done. I'm done. Um, it's interesting. You, you got to know this. Is that we want to fan the flame of what it means to be hot for Jesus. And in doing that, um, 
you have to be in proximity to Jesus. Listen, if you pray and get in the word and that's your, that's your spiritual life, that's an incomplete spiritual life. You can get your worship music out. You can have on Maverick City in your car, and you can cry, and God will show up. But your spiritual life is still incomplete. I can't tell you how far ahead I got just by someone seeing what I couldn't. It was no way in the world I could have seen it, and they called me out on it. Or they encouraged me in it. You can't know. Listen, so I don't believe in spiritual gift assessments necessarily. Because how are you going to write down, oh, I know I'm a prophet because I know stuff before. You just fill out them jumps, right, like that, right? No, you get around other people and they see it. They see the activity. They said, did you know you were? And then you get affirmed. That, 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 that's how we get hot. And, and I'm, I'm done. Um, um, you know, Pluto is cold. Mercury is hot. They're different sizes. But the main reason for their temperature distance, their, their temperature difference, is their distance from the sun. Pluto is cold because it's far from the sun. But Mercury is steaming hot because it's near the sun. I want to see you become a Mercury believer. Where you're so close to where stuff happens. Listen, God isn't going to join you in what you're doing. He says, you join me where I am. I want God's spirit to go before me. And some of the greatest things have happened. I've heard about people helping each other and all different types of things that just happen organically. I pray that in this season that we would rebrand the church as a healthy place even after you get hurt. Let me just tell you something. You're going to get hurt. But that's why there's a gospel to help for healing. Father God, we thank you. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual emphasis.